One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Body, welcome to the Walk Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Hilford, joined by James Downs. Hi, Scott. Hi, I'm Josh Brown. Hello, Scott. We can be as loud as we want with these uh, these micro- microphones. Microphones, yes. Microphones, because I think they'll um, restrict our audio level. So even if I go, oh, it's fine. Is that the thing from Sekiro coming down? I do down believe it is. We've got some sort of soundboard that we're going to try and set up at some point where we can just push a button and something will say, Hadorgan, or whatever it'll say. I yeah. think that'd be so cool. When, when we do figure this out, we shouldn't actually get the official sounds. We should get Scott to redub yes. them all, <laughs> like the cover songs of Guitar Hero 2. Point is, this is the World Culture Gaming uh, podcast, and we thought because it is summer gaming season, the Summer Games Fest will be on very soon by the time people listen to this, the end of the week. There's just stuff happening left, right, and center, as well as the Xbox Bethesda showcase. Point being that we should have a conversation around hype expectation, the way that the industry tends to manufacture this stuff. And then I thought we'd do a nice little roundup of the best E3 moments, um, our personal favorites, or times that we just were overtaken with sheer hype. Times that it worked, basically. It's so good because before we started um, recording this podcast, we were actually wasting all the good stuff by reminiscing <laughs> off uh, Mike. So it's like, this is how excited we get. We're like genuinely buzzing just to remember the times we were excited. Also, okay, let, let's just roll these things together. Right? Initially, my notes were going to be, let's talk about the sort of negative side of it. Because uh, last week when me and Jules did the Untitled Panda podcast on Friday, um, someone emailed in and said, uh, or, t- or tweeted in, I sent the letter in to say, um, is hype dead in video games? because the amount of, you know, expectations that get dashed, the amount of games that don't live up to stuff, um, and general disappointment, you know, do you let yourself get hyped for stuff? And I kind of know exactly what they mean, and I find that I um, I very much temper expectations. It's very rare that I get carried away. I was very psyched for Sifu, um, but even Sonic Frontiers, I was letting myself get excited for that. Cause I mean, Why? Like, well, because I was like, it's Sonic, and I'm loving Sonic. I've been playing Sonic Generations. I'm looking forward to Sonic Origins. Mm-hmm. It's Sonic in an open-world setting. How can it go wrong? <laughs> and then I watched the game. Well, we watched the game. We were like, this is the worst thing ever. (laughs) Have you seen it, Josh? I have since seen it. We talked about it on the podcast this morning very briefly. Mm. And I I had not seen it then. So afterwards, to do my duty, I went to watch the the trailer (laughs) for it. And uh, that looks like, you know, those um, Unity um, engine asset flips. Someone's probably already made this joke before. But it looked like one of those. I couldn't believe how threadbare it is. Like, I've seen someone since then um, make a Unreal version of that demo with physics and momentum. Momentum, Um, And obviously, like, you know, some devs have picked that up and said, look, it's a different game engine. It's a lot easier for you to do it in Unreal. Um, but overall, like, yeah, 
Sonic Frontiers was one of the most recent times that I was like, maybe this would be cool. I wasn't freaking mm-hmm. out about it or anything, right. but I was like, it'd be really, really cool to have a big old Breath of the Wild style biome, but I can just sprint around it as Sonic. Lo and behold, it's an absolute mess. You can solve puzzles, uh, Scott. You can rotate the middle statue. Did you see that, Josh? Uh, that was know. crazy, that bit. They can't solve puzzles. <laughs> James Dows, you can also solve puzzles with the Batmobile, but did, yeah. did anyone want that? That's no, true. no one true. did. But the way that this thing was coming together, um, obviously it's Sonic and there's a lot of marketing money behind it. It's IGN's first, it's an IGN first uh, for their big cover thing. But yeah, do you guys find yourself, do you let yourselves get excited for stuff or do you just know better at this point? I'll tell you this just to interrupt and over James Dowse who was preparing a great (laughs) speech there. Uh, Because I'm so eager to talk about this because I am a person who, when it comes to Christmas, despite being 27 years old, Mm. will give my parents money so they can buy me presents so I can wake up on Christmas. Christmas Day to have those presents. I am at an age Give them now. money, not suggestions. No, well, the thing is, like, you get to a certain point, my mum's like, I'm not spending, like, as much as I would on you when you That's were 12 so years old. So right. to to offset that, I'd be like, here's some money that I've saved up. Right. Get me these presents. <laughs> like, I am a child again. Go to the shops for me. Because the older you get, the the fewer and further between moments of genuine excitement seem to come, at least okay. for me personally. So I like mm. to, where possible, force myself into the mindset of get excited for something because it's it's cool to feel good. Yeah. And it's yeah, cool yeah. to be excited. So when it comes to E3, yes, the moments of hype are coming fewer and further between, but when there's that one game that you just want to bet it all on, I still try my best to bet it all on that and get into a nice hype cycle because it, it feels good. It does yeah. feel good. I find that when something breaks, it is me going, that looks terrible, that looks enough, that looks flat. And you're going, no, but look, really, look, it's good. Look, if you look over here, it's really, really good. Uh-huh. And uh, the two halves sometimes make a hole. But James Dow's thoughts? Breath of the Wild 2 is the next one that I'm very mm. excited for. Uh, Sonic Frontiers, I was like, hmm, maybe. <laughs> and then I saw it and I was like, mm, uh, Yeah, best not. to stay away. Um, but... With um, like Game Pass or whatever, when you see a tweet where it's just like, these are the games coming this month, I'm like, oh, fair enough. That's mm. my slight bit of excitement now. Right. That. <laughs> I want more. Do you guys um, ever dream about upcoming games anymore? Not because anymore. I used no. to all the time. How dead are we inside? Not, <laughs> not anymore. No. I don't have dreams. Uh, <laughs> I used to. One of the last ones like I can remember dreaming about was um, Watch Dogs 1. I remember no. dreaming I was playing that a lot. Aiden Pierce. And the other night, my friend, and this is how excited I am in caught up in the hype for Death Stranding 2 I am, even though the thing hasn't been officially announced. I will say that your hood is half off the back of your head and your little ears. Do you want to know why? Yeah. I poked my ears, no one can see this, but I poked no, but my I like ears it. out of my hood because it was uh, like obscuring my sound. Yeah. I, I felt like I was talking too loud. So I no, I just, I like the, uh, the commitment to a Watch Dogs 1 fan. And then <laughs> <laughs> lowering the hood off. <laughs> hey man, one day I will buy the iconic Aiden Pierce Aiden hat. Pierce. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh yeah, Death Stranding 2. Like I dreamt yeah. that Death Stranding 2 didn't live up to my expectations. No. It was actually an action game and I was the only person in the world disappointed right. and everyone said it was uh, really good. But yeah, my question was just like, are you guys at that point where you are so hyped about a game, you will dream about it. You will like think about it. Read the Wikipedia page constantly about I, it. I will dream a game is better than it is. Right. I Ooh. will be like, oh, this Pokemon will be the best game ever, but then right, I know right. that it will just be not we average kind you of dream thing. that arcades has got textures sure yeah or you know sonic's good like loads of <laughs> things that you just dream about i'm i have those every now and again 
But then I wake up and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I used to do the thing where, like, yeah, I can't wait to play something. I imagine what that thing's going to feel like. And to, but the thing is, like, we said this before we were recording, so I was sketching out some ideas for this. And Josh, you said, we know how everything's going to feel now. We know how everything's going to play. It's very rare that something plays uniquely. I think it's why Death Stranding stands out. But I remember when um, Assassin's Creed Unity was being shown off, and I, I think it was a Giant Bomb uh, podcast thing, which also shout out to Jeff Gersman. But when that was being um, mentioned, it back in 20 years, but would have been back in 2013, before the game came out in 2014, and they showed some gameplay footage, and someone like, emailed in or whatever, and said, like, this is the first time we've got a new generation coming out, and it's a sequel to something, and we know exactly how it's going to feel. And it was like, just looking at the gameplay, you could just tell it was more of the same. And it was like, I have this whole thing to get to that I think the eighth generation was the generation that broke video games, like, in terms of mm -hmm. hype and expectation. That was when budgets got way too out of control. Not the crunch culture wasn't a thing beforehand, but the size of the teams that were now crunching was ridiculous. Um, publishers started, take, started taking more of the mick with release dates. Um, that was when we really started getting seismic failures, yeah. left, right, and center, um, starting with Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed Unity and then going from there. So th that we can get to that, but yeah. It's funny you say that because when I got my Xbox One for Christmas in 2014, mm -hmm. that was the year when... Um, can you remember on Christmas Day when uh, consoles were hacked? Yes. Right? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, so that was a mess in itself. And Lizard Squad saved the day, was it? Uh, whoever, Lizard Squad? Whoever saved the day, something like that. Um, <laughs> am I making that up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you I could be. Group group that, that, they may be the bad guys. I don't know. I, on release, I got uh, Master Chief Collection and Get I in. got Assassin's Creed Unity. And both of those games, for my first experience of 8th mm. gen, didn't work <laughs> until eight years later. <laughs> but like, like, ast like, it didn't work to an astonishing degree. Yeah. Like, sitting there going, how have you got that this, mean, this wrong? But that was my first impression of this new generation. And I was like, I should have got a PlayStation. <laughs> but then things again, weren't much better on the PlayStation. Things weren't better there. That is, uh, just to go on a slight tangent, but it is related to what you said there, James Douse. I think, you know, we've talked about this before, about how even the, uh, the like, kind of process of getting a game isn't as exciting as it once was. You know, I just got D Dying Light 2 at the weekend, and one of the first things you do, the game is like, hey, man, like, uh, I know you want to play this cool zombie <laughs> open world game, but first, do you want to take a look at these terms and conditions? Hey, do, you want, do you want to make an do account? Want, do you want to make an account? Do you want to uh, use got some this for you. PC cursor, or, but it's on a console? No, oh just God. give me a regular UI. Can we pin down the lack of magic in games to when that mouse cursor popped yeah. up in everything? I think you're right. I hate that thing. 100%. Crash 4 did it, where you had to go through 20 pages. Yeah, but like, but loads of like inventories, loot systems, oh, like menus, yeah, yeah. have that thing where it's like, go over here, just move it. It's a, it's a console. Yeah. <laughs> There's a D-pad. Is it Destiny who does it the most? They've that, got their, Destiny was one of the yeah, first yeah. ones, 2014. Yeah. yeah, definitely popularized it in every game since that. Mm, like, yeah. sometimes just regular console games that aren't even out on PC yet use the cursor. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah. We don't need. We just don't need it. There's one of no the Destiny will go down in history is one of the worst games that the industry tried to learn from. Like that whole thing of like go here, defend this point against waves of enemies. Like go go find all this threadbare loot items. That was all Destiny, and the, the menu system is in Assassin's Creed. It's in Anthem. It's in Avengers. Like just one of the that game itself was a complete mess. Like yeah. no, even Destiny fans swear off Destiny One. Like just the weirdest rollout for um, for a title. I do think uh, when you were talking about you know the, the idea that we know games are going to like how they're going to play. Yeah, we yeah. have an understanding of how games work. And it's not just because we literally talk about games for a job, but it's because <laughs> a lot of games have been homogenized in terms of control schemes. I know you talk about this a lot, Scott. Mm -hmm. But it's all very valid in making you think that you 
you already have experienced a game before you get to see it. Like, we mm. talk about God of War and Horizon as being examples of presumably really good games uh, in terms of, you know, God of War that's upcoming and Horizon that we just had, but we couldn't get totally hyped about them because mm. we knew what they were mechanically. We knew how they were going to play, and that's not a bad thing, and it doesn't mean the games are bad, but if we're talking purely about hype cycles, it, it kind of puts you at an odds at odds because you're not thinking, what is this going to be? Well, like the, the hype side of it, I think, has to some part of why you're hyped, if you pie chart it, would have to be the unknown. Like, yeah. in a positive framing, but it has to be something you've not played before or seen before. God of War has the weirdest muted response to it, because the more they show of it with the accessibility clips and everything, at least its gameplay looks like God of War 2018. Like, yeah. graphically it does. It looks like it plays the same. Like, I'm sure there'll be new abilities and stuff, but I've, I've played that game, like, for the most part. Because mm-hmm. um, I was going to wrap it back around to something more positive, which is to say that I got really excited for Sifu, um, because I didn't know how that was going to play, and I was like, well, it's going to have to have its own control scheme. It could borrow from Absolver, because that was the, the dev's previous game. But, like, looking at the way that that game was playing, I was like, well, there's this age mechanic that's in there, and like you're going to um, be able to use weapons and all the environmental damage and all these different moves to master, and I was like, that's something different. Like We, don't, we haven't had a melee-focused martial arts game in, since like Sleeping Dogs or something. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking there when you were on about like different control schemes, like Gears of War obviously popula- um, popularized the cover shooter, and then everyone does left trigger, uh, left trigger aim, right trigger fire, take cover with A or X or whatever, and that made me think of the Wanted game. I don't know if you played that. I, I think it was called Weapons did. of Fate. Yeah. Um, you could bend bullets in that, so you could like aim at someone who was behind cover and then you would like whip your wrist and it would flick over and down onto them, <laughs> which looks stupid, but it was great. And like those kind of things, um, I just miss innovation within a genre. I feel like there's too much um, copycatting. Is that not what indie games are now though? That, to some degree, yeah. I feel like they rarely have the budget to be able to get up there. Although yeah. during the state of play, uh, Roller Dome, I thought looked phenomenal. It is, yeah. um, and made by Roll7, um, the Oli Oli world people. Yeah. Um, that's like a really cool third person shooter like setup, but you're on rollerblades and you're spinning through the air and it's like a, like a big 3D arena version of My Friend Pedro or something. What you said there has um, actually solidified a take that I was thinking about, but didn't mm. want to say. I was going to say that the things that we get hyped about are often like new ideas or something we can't imagine. And then I thought, well, no, that's not true because some of our most hyped games of all time is stuff like Halo 3, Uncharted Mm. 2, Uncharted 4, stuff like that. However, I think they are still applicable because I think what gets me hyped at least is my imagination running away with itself and trying to figure out, you know, how this is going to work. And that can be whether, that can be, you know, how is Halo going to run a next gen? What are they going to bring to the table? Uh, What is a PS4 Uncharted going to look like graphically and from a story perspective? But now I just think because, you know, a lot of games are more homogenized, we we can imagine it. We can imagine it way more than we ever could. It's like, like we were saying before, you know, I know how this game is going to play. It doesn't matter whether it's a new IP. It doesn't matter whether it's a returning franchise it's going to be in with some familiar parameters whereas before for rightly or wrongly it felt like even a sequel could do something new Mm -hmm. it could be something else could match whatever you have imagined it to be whereas now you just know that it it won't it'll be more of that to that level yeah here's something i remember weirdly i remember the ign review of halo 4 right and it was that uh, ryan mccaffrey who Mm -hmm. did it and at the end of it he just said Halo 4's made me excited to see what Halo 5 can be in the <laughs> on next gen. Yes. And at the time, I was just like 15 or whatever, and I was like, this is going to be amazing. Then it comes out, I'm like, oh, and there you go, kind of <laughs> thing. And then as you say there, you know what it's going to be like now from now on. Mm-hmm. There's no leap into the wilderness now of unknown. I like that. And, you know... It- 
the leap into the wilderness is why games like Breath of the Wild resonated yeah. so much because that literally was a leap into the wilderness, but also <laughs> a figurative leap into the wilderness yeah. for the franchise. Obviously, it's a lot of staples, and obviously, mm. it's going into a familiar genre with an open world, but it redefines what that genre is, and there are fewer games redefining their genres and stuff like that. Yeah, Breath of the Wild's a great example because that was like taking something that is so storied and so played out and so formulaic. Like obviously like, you know, pioneered a certain type of game and an entire franchise and a way to do a whole genre. And then well, what if we took all that and just shattered it and then picked up different pieces and and went forward. And that game was constantly surprising. Surprising, I think, is an interesting thing because it's rare that a game surprises me now. Like um, I actually find, because another thing I was going to mention is like, if you think about the games that came out across the 2000s and the early 2010s, again, it's before the eighth generation. It's before stuff really blew up into the mainstream where all of a sudden, you know, you had to have more safe and bankable ideas for a bigger audience and you could take less risks and the budgets were like, um, were more sort of, they were like more constrained or whatever. In the 2000s, like, I feel like that was um, gaming's biggest experimentation period. Like we were coming off the back end of Metal Gear Solid and Hideo Kojima proving that games can be cinema, like games can do cinematic stuff blended with game mechanics. And it was like this boom of all these different genres, all these different types, Gears of War, Devil May Cry, whatever. And I don't know how much I romanticized that period. Right. Um, but I do look back on it and I do, I mean, it, it's not like the indie scene is phenomenal. Actually, like the sheer variety of games that we get now is greater than what we had in the 2000s. But the, the budget allocation isn't there as much. Um, and I feel like because AAAs were lower in terms of budget and smaller titles um, could match that, it meant that the actual great, the, the scope of what video games were available was just way wider. I feel like there's a million tiny little things out there now, but they don't get, they don't get up there. They don't sort of influence the competition very much. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. Like when it comes to terms of inf- like influence, you mm. know, we've been uh, repeating the same genres uh, for like the past decade now. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the same main kind of styles of game, and there have been a lot of great games. Some of my favorite games have come out since then. But like you said, you know, uh, a lot of publishers have two or three trends that they want to chase, and they will chase that. And that doesn't mean that they're all going to be bad products that they produce, but it does limit the scope of what you can get excited about, or what's available in the AAA space. Well, it's like obviously. the um, the, indies, like you mentioned. the Resident Evil 4, uh, the tiny sliver of gameplay they shut off in State of Play, we know exactly what that's going to be. Like, we know, like, you know, it might be a date, it might be nighttime instead of daytime, they might add a few, right, yeah. you know, it's going to be an overshoulder camera, it's going to be aiming, it's going to feel like a Resident Evil 2 remake, we know what that is. I have a comparison, Go if on. you will allow me. I um, will. Modern Warfare 2 coming out at the end of this year. Yep. Um, I'm looking forward to that a lot. I think it will probably end up in my games of the year if it uh, nails and continues what Modern Warfare 2019 started because that was one of my favorite Call of Duties, if not my favorite Call of Duty, if you roll Warzone into it. And I'm a big fan of this franchise. Uh, So I'm looking forward to two. However, if you compare that to the original Modern Warfare 2, which came out, you know, over a decade ago now, I was unbelievably hyped for that thing. Like, that thing ruled my world before (laughs) I had even played it. And it's not just because I was younger, but it's because back then, like, the franchise, again, it felt fresh and I didn't know what it was. You know, Modern Warfare, obviously, it was working in an established franchise, but Modern Warfare 1 changed the game so much that you were thinking, what are these developers going to do next? I can't imagine it. Whereas now... I could absolutely imagine yeah. what Modern Warfare 2 2022 is going to be like. Do you remember like fine. the first time you saw the original Modern Warfare be played? Like that was like, oh my god, like, life changing, life changing. Like, I like remember that nighttime mission and like that whole thing, and then obviously taking it online and all the perk systems and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, they were new at the time, but it's that stuff. Like like I said, it's the unknown. Like you get little like pieces of what it might be, and you can't wait to see the full thing. Like it's not that a gameplay is overexposed now. There are influencers. There are like obviously YouTube people who get 
get it can get hands on preview cycles and everything else. But the actual idea of like I can't wait to see how that plays is so minimized. Like I can't wait to see what the rest of that is. Like you know exactly what you're getting now. And I don't know if that's yeah. because they need to like safely bank on bigger sales because the budget is so high. But like like I said, like when was the last time you saw something that like, mine would be might be Sifu where I was like I can't wait to control that. But it's very rare. I'll tell you what it, what might have been the last one that did mm. that for me. Cyberpunk 2077. And we all know how <laughs> that ended right. up. But that had a lot of hype for a reason. It was from a well-respected developer, of course, coming off The Witcher 3. But it was also something new. Like, a lot of people had no idea what Cyberpunk was as yeah. a brand. They thought it was new. It was the first time that The, the Witcher devs had done a first-person shooter. It was like, what are they going to bring to the table? How are they going to make a next-gen version uh, of something completely different. And it's kind of like, it has the hype that something like Starfield should have, if that makes sense. But I think because we were burnt by Cyberpunk 2077, we, we're, we're hesitant to get into that kind of fever again. And maybe for good reason, considering how that game turned out initially. But one thing I'll put out, oh, sorry, no, you, no, go on, go one on, thing go. I'll just put out is that does any other medium suffer such overwhelming failures and disappointments as gaming does? I don't think like, so, man. Cyberpunk was, uh, like, I mean, maybe the Justice League in movies, but even then, it like, Cyberpunk made, I'm watching it on the BBC News and just getting this sort of general coverage of, like, major, huge game with a huge budget and years of hype, like, 10 years of hype, has absolutely shat it. And, like, that's this whole talking point. And it's like, we get that every couple of months. Like, yeah. or we get, like, we, that happens, like, every uh, very, very frequently. And I'm like, that's something that I think conditions an audience over time just to yeah. kind of go, well, I'm not going to play the game. Like, I'm not going to get involved in this thing. Elden Ring was one of the only times it could work because it's from software, which that's their stature is what CDPR were after Witcher 3. If From Software turned in as Cyberpunk as it was on launch, then that would go away as well. But they're one of the only ones left that they can do that. I think that's because you're a lot more personal love towards the developers and the mm. publishers. If in terms of, like, films and stuff, if Warner Brothers make a bad film, you're not going to boycott them, are you? <laughs> you could boycott CD Projekt Red and be like, I'm not going to buy their games anymore. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, there's more of a kind of, you know, again, there's a, certainly a toxic side of this, yeah. of, you know, getting really invested in those um, teams and those publishers and those brands and those companies mm. in that yeah. way. But at the same... Well, I'm talking, like, quality control, though. Like right, yes. Something right. comes over there, something goes over the finish line in a certain state for a mass audience or for general consumption of a populace. Gaming, if we're going to measure them all up, cares right. way less about that finish line than, totally. get, than movies, than music, yeah. than TV. And especially yeah. now when there is, there's no finish line anymore. No, exactly. It's, it's just getting updated. Again, 8th yeah. Generation broke all that, early Absolutely. access stuff. Yeah. What can we get away with? It's a known chippable bug. We'll just patch it in later. Even yeah. Nintendo will give you a threadbare skeleton of something and mm-hmm. sell it and like patch the flesh on later yeah. at this stage. Yeah. And I think, you know, like the gaming industry as opposed to film, like you were saying as well, like that bet it all on pre-order culture for the longest mm. time. Like they encouraged people to buy into the hype, literally buy into the hype to pre-order their games, pre-order season passes and whatnot. And then they burned everyone because they started <laughs> releasing things like Cyberpunk 2077 and Assassin's Creed Unity. And then that pre-order culture has rightfully, you know, died away compared to where it was in 2012 and what have you. But yeah, like the gaming industry definitely encouraged that in a way that like, yeah, you can pre-book a movie and studios will encourage you to do that for like the latest Spider-Man or what have mm. you. But they're not trying to like, they're not betting at all on those pre-order numbers, those no. pre-book numbers. Here's a question. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Uh, With films and stuff, like there's like defiant generations of like a film that killed the silent era or whatever. Mm. What do you think is a game that killed your love of <laughs> of games in general, but like where you say there with a the pre-order, what is the game that you think triggered that? James Dallas, this is this is a great question, but also I love that we started this podcast being like, right, we're going to talk about some positive things. <laughs> now you're like, you yourself, where Josh? were you <laughs> when we'll, we'll bring your soul around. died? <laughs> I'm going to let Scott take this one because I just jumped in. Do you know what I mean? No, 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 that question. Well, see, so mine, I don't have one for gaming. Gaming's the one thing. I was, this, is, uh, this isn't a flex, but like I was, I was being interviewed by someone a few weeks ago and they asked, have I ever taken a break from gaming? Because I like, you know, you do it all the time. And um, shout out to um, Tom Talks Rubbish. And uh, they were sort of saying that like, you know, and um, they'd interview the wrestling lads and they'd taken a break from wrestling. Like they were lifelong fans, but at some point they stopped watching it for a few months. He was like, have you ever taken a break from gaming? And I was like, no, actually, I've never, right. ever not gamed. Like maybe I've, I've gone a few days without it at the most because I'm on holiday or something. I've never gone, my passion's gone. I've never like not wanted to game or like be immersed in a certain world or pick up a controller or whatever. It's just always been there. So I've never had something that's broken that because um, it's always been there. I've never had like, The, I, the Last Jedi is so over talked about but genuinely it is just my when I snapped it was like when Luke threw the lightsaber over the shoulder <laughs> part of me died and it never came back um, just never ever came back but I've never had a replicable gaming right, version okay. of that um, I have looked at stuff and gone that's astonishingly undercooked I can't believe you're shipping that um, like I mean I love No Man's Sky but that like when you actually look at what was said it's ridiculous that that was over the finish line mm-hmm. um, Battlefield 2042 they're severing modes from that the season is really threadbare um, I can't believe that like I actually look at what they're classing as season one coming what like five months after launch yeah um and it's still like two new operators and a map like it's yeah. absolutely nothing so yeah nothing's broken me right, okay. um i've been i've only been continually undercut by it which i think is why i get quite disappointed in it and just sad about the the modern state of gaming when things used to be so tighter and polish used to be prioritized and you used to have a, a stronger industry overall 
Yeah, I mean, like, for me, there was never, like, one singular moment. It was just kind of, like, a general growing out of it for a multitude of factors. Like, I was quite fortunate in avoiding a lot of the big disasters. Like, I wasn't hyped for Assassin's Creed Unity. That was fine. Battlefront 2, disappointing, but I wasn't betting at all on it. Like, the games that I've got invested in and been hyped for... Even when they've turned out to be bad, I've managed to find something in them. Like yeah. Resident <laughs> Evil 6. Everyone knows that sucks. <laughs> I pre-ordered that, sold so many games to buy it. And yeah, it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. But I have like fun memories still of I like getting said, actually, that game, if that makes sense. Well, just to hop in very quickly, one yeah. of the games that you mentioned, I think you mentioned to me that broke you was Aliens Colonial Marines. Because ah, you were like, fair. I... Can't find anything positive with this. No, that is probably the one exception. Yep, I mean, that was the (laughs) game that I was hyped for since 2008. Would buy um, magazines for that thing. And when it came out, it was like, oh, a part of me has died now. (laughs) I've changed as a person. Like, I'm not the child I once was. I know the world. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Because, Dallas, do you have one? Do you have something in mind? I think mine would be Sea of Thieves. Because oh. I was so excited for that because it's rare. It's rare, it's yeah. Rare. What could go wrong? Mm-hmm. And all of my friends had PlayStation. I was the only one who stuck with Xbox that generation. And I got that and I was looking forward to it. I put it in and I didn't know what to do. Mm. And I was just like, is this what gaming is for me now? <laughs> and then Crackdown 3 came out after that. And I was like, God, oh, what is going on? It's funny because I, I I kept thinking to myself, and I think I must have said this on a podcast, that I felt sorry for anyone who just stuck with Xbox yeah. last gen. because, And it's not like to poop all over Xbox, but their lineup was so threadbare or was yeah. so unfulfilling. Um, and like you said, stuff like um, Sea of Thieves, Master Chief Collection took yep. literally four years to get turned yep. around, like literally before you get a re- reliable matchmaking again. Yeah, that's what I'm um, saying. That yeah. entire generation just absolutely killed my love of gaming for mm. a long time uh, until I got a Switch and then that brought me back in again. Right. And then Game Pass also came in and then saved whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, Sea of Thieves, I would say, is the one and Master Chief Collection and Crackdown. All those Xbox exclusives between 2014 and 17. Pretty much. Really, really ruined me. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that, you know, apart from Sea of Thieves, we're talking about, like, franchise games that let you mm-hmm. down. And I think once that happens to a franchise that you love, mm-hmm. like, you kind of, like, the, the romantic goggles are off. For mm-hmm. me, it was uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, which I didn't think was, like, a terrible game. Right. But I remember, like, not even being asked about it, which was weird because the Mass Effect trilogy was my favorite thing ever like Same, I lived yeah. and breathed yeah. that stuff when the that spin-off came around I just felt like kind of nothing and when it was <laughs> getting six out of tens I was like I wasn't even angry or anything I was just kind of like again I have changed as a person but now. I think is, like we've evolved one thing alongside that though is the fact that I mean obviously you follow the industry you're going to become you're going to get you're going to know um directors developers specific people and if they are the ones that you like you fell in love with their game and you find out you look up who they are and Hideo Kojima it's Ken Levine it's whoever then they leave the project or they leave the teams but they're still doing the games I think that's always a weird disconnect because Assassin's Creed has been such a different beast since Patrice Desley left and I know right. that he left notes for like Assassin's Creed 3 or whatever it was and then he was out the door and then it was like they did um, whatever that unity that was obviously terrible and then they sort of like kind of turned back around with Syndicate then they rebooted with Origins and it's just been a whole different thing since he left I always think that's weird like Bioware that whole team now is Bioware in name only like it's yeah. not mm-hmm. remotely the same and I think the, the the more you let gaming become part of your identity and the more you absorb all those names and everything else the more you notice how much things are just being turned around totally I think that's the same with any industry once you sort of see behind the curtain you see how the sausage is made <laughs> you kind of you lose that bit of innocence you, yeah. you understand the 
machinations of everything. You understand yeah. how these things work, and you can temper your expectations to be like, oh, this isn't a, well, it is a miracle, but it's not magic. You know, True. it's just uh, the hard work of people, and then you know how, I don't know, you just know how the sausage is made. I do have a question for you yes. guys, if you'll permit me. Of course. Uh, we've talked a lot about the things and games that have disappointed us, but are there any games on the horizon that you already know, even if the hype cycle hasn't begun, that you're going to get caught up in because I have two in mind and one is Death Stranding 2 obviously yes, right. in the other is the Elder Scrolls 6 because really? even though that thing was announced I know that once it probably kicks into gear and it is real and tangible <laughs> I will be thinking how the hell do they follow Skyrim and I'm excited to be excited for that game I'm definitely excited yeah. to be excited for it. The thing that I need to see, because I, if you before when you were saying about seeing the good in stuff and me just being too sort of cynical or jaded about it, Bethesda are the perfect dev for that because I've not liked anything they've done since 2011. So like I and I just think that the amount they reuse assets and engines is just annoying to be, yeah. to be honest. So I, yeah, if they show um, some new engine gameplay and they go, "This is Elder Scrolls Six, I'll freak out. Um, but if they reuse the Gamebryo engine again or whatever the hell it is that they used for Fallout 4, then I'll just be sad again because apparently <laughs> Starfield is that same engine again, yeah, right? Um, which is the thing undercutting everything else. But um, my main one is Callisto Protocol just because I think that's just just a shining star of like survival horror. And I, I love, I mentioned the people and developers and, and becoming all fair with like certain creators. Um, Glenn Schofield, creator of Dead Space, his next game, just the fact that it's that um, gets me massively interested in a way that I wouldn't be for just another sequel that can just be turned uh, out. Uh, I'd go for that Breath of the Wild again. Yeah. But for the mm. game that hasn't been announced, what I will go all in is Mario Odyssey, whatever the next one oh, is. Yeah, Mario Odyssey of course. 2. If there's a <laughs> sequel to that or whatever the next 3D Mario is, I usually always get in that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about Mario, man. It gets me. And I don't think these will go away, man. I think no. that even as, for as old as we get, for as jaded as we feel, <laughs> there will always be at least, you know, one, two, maybe three franchises or developers or creators that keep us feeling like we're 12 years old again. And that mm. is something I can take solace in. Yeah. I do like that. I think that I'm, I'm hoping that obviously as this generation like unfolds, it's been a couple of years, it's been a weird world, been a weird couple of years worldwide. Um, and obviously there have already been some, you know, catastrophic catastrophic misfires of games. There's the on the microtransaction side, there's all, all the Diablo Immortal stuff. Um, but I hope that as this generation rolls out, it does make a point of being better like than the eighth generation. Because for me, when I look back on the eighth generation, it is stained with those stories of the disappointments, the the misfires, the 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 things that just got everything completely wrong. Um, I feel like that whole dialogue around gaming started to come way more into vogue across the eighth generation because so much stuff was um you know getting uh, mishandled. Whereas I hope this generation can become more about 4K resolutions, frame rates, like look at what these systems can do, SSD loading, whatever new genres and mechanics are based around that stuff. With that in mind, we should pivot into finishing on a high because yeah. we rolled together various just awesome E3 moments, awesome hype moments, um, awesome things that made us freak out and do a little wee. And so <laughs> I'm going to open things up with um, Halo 3's reveal at E3 2006, which is always my personal number one. I'm not going to go on about it too much, but... Um, I've never been so happy, and it's mm -hmm. it's um, it's the score, it's the piano notes that came in, it's the fact that as Chief walks through the the smoke or a figure walks through the smoke, you realize it's the Master Chief, and we all knew that obviously the trilogy was was going to be a trilogy. We knew there's going to be another Halo at that point because Halo Two had had the whole finish the fight thing, um, but at the same time they nailed the reveal. I love a good reveal. Was that the Bubble Shield trailer where he put it down and the Wraith shot? That him. came after. Oh, that was like um, that was almost immediately after. Which right. there's that one, and then there's that little model diorama one with yes, all the little soldiers and stuff. So 
good. Yeah. So like all that, that's the thing. All the marketing around Halo Three was just so on point. Like there's a reason that game you know shut down Times Square and they had all the uh, the chief artwork and everything everywhere. Um, that was one of the first like multiple big deluxe pre-order things as well. I don't know if you guys did it, but I bought this big fat steel book thing. Oh no! Did you get the helmet. I didn't because I couldn't afford it back right, then. Okay. But it that was, was like, one of the options you could get. It was one of the options yeah. that that was the infamous cat helmet because it was too yes. small. Yeah. But um, but yeah, Halo Three, um, the music, the reveal, Cortana's like what she says, "I'm your sword, I'm your shield." It's just. It was so cool, and I was like, I was so ready. And that's another thing we didn't talk about before. But like games that are continuing a story or culminating a story, um, we did a whole thing. I think we talked about this uh, in previous weeks about storytelling or stories or narrative being on the back foot um, in modern gaming. Like, like I said, the two thousands were all about cinematic influence. I feel like that's gone away quite a lot in the modern day. Um, so that would be one of mine. Um, Josh, you put down Keanu Reeves and Cyberpunk. <laughs> well, this was just a, a, a really fun moment. If, you can dovetail into whatever you like. I will, but if we're talking about, like, you know, less the actual trailers and re- reveals themselves, but more the spectacle of E3 that I don't mm. want to go away, it's getting someone like Keanu Reeves to <laughs> come out on stage, be a surprise guest, spawn a million memes and just have fun with it. Like, that's what you want. At least that's what I want. From, yeah. If you're going to do, like, a big marketing blitz, like, go all out, be a spectacular <laughs> show-off. Get whoever you can get your hands on and, you know, just just have fun with it. Because like, you uh, also put down, which is worth talking about in 2016, uh, the Year of Dreams, which yes. was when Sony revealed The Last Guardian, Shenmue 3, and Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, all in one go. Absolutely. I think it was uh, Tim Gettys of Kind of Funny who coined Maybe. that term. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. watching that <laughs> coverage afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, the, the exciting thing about that triple header is that those franchises mean nothing to me, and right. yet the hype still worked, yeah, yeah. and I think that's testament to a great E3. Oh my god. Like, I had heard so much about the reputations of, obviously, Final Fantasy VII, uh, The Last Guardian being the follow-up to Shadow of the Colossus, you know, obviously, and then uh, Shenmue, you mm. know, being this fan-backed thing, this iconic franchise that was a cult favorite, and I hadn't played any of them myself, but other people's excitement got me excitement and how well crafted those reveal trailers were got me invested in something that I had previously no connection to at all. One thing that we didn't talk about too much is the fact that there are only so many of them left now. Like Shenmue was always one of the biggest ones. Last Guardian was obviously the the sort of forgotten sequel to Shadow of the Colossus and then the idea of Final Fantasy 7 Remake was a rumor every year for so long because I mean Square had mentioned it back in like 2000 or whatever. But yeah, that whole thing like there's only so many of them you can pay off and then like, obviously you need to try and do it well. Um, because Xbox did the sequel to Phantom, and I was at the same level, but they did that revival of Phantom Dust, which like I remember like a little pocket of the internet went, Oh my god, there's a new Phantom Dust, and then they cancelled <laughs> it anyway. But like that was something that, that was gonna come together. But yeah, that Final Fantasy VII uh, reveal, I, I teared up four in the morning, little, little me just crying in the living room. That was incredible. <laughs> That's like the power of a good E3. I know a lot of people yeah. criticize the show for being, you know, just obviously a marketing wank fest, which it, it is. is now, yeah. But like as corporate as it is, like we have relationships with these games, with these companies mm. and what have you and we'll always remember where we were when we saw Final Fantasy 7 remake announced. <laughs> we'll always yeah. remember when we were when Tim Gettys mentioned the uh, you know the year of dreams and stuff like <laughs> it doesn't even have to be the games themselves it could be the coverage surrounding it mm. that sticks with you because you get caught up in that excitement and then you might find a franchise that you hadn't even played and then follow it for a few years and then it gets released and then you're like wow I do think was worth the wait that this may this means that it would have been 2017 when I first told you to play Final Fantasy Seven on the PlayStation you One. Hopefully, will five have been. English years ago. Um, speaking of things that you'll remember, <laughs> where you were when you saw it, uh, Xbox backwards compatibility getting oh announced. Oh my god, that was this the was best, James That pick. was the best moment ever. <laughs> because as I was saying earlier, that was in a period of Xbox where everything seemed to be depressing and sad, and nice. nothing seemed to be going right. <laughs> 
And I just remember Phil Spencer on that stage and whatever. And then the audience was reading his auto cue before he could uh. say it. And everyone was losing their minds and whatever. And that was like Xbox's first win, that generation. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And ever since then, they've kind of really done well on mm. backwards compatibility. Um, go on, Josh. No, I was going to say, I think uh, similar to the Final Fantasy uh, Year of Dreams stuff, like it was them pulling off something that we thought was impossible. Like mm. no one expected it. No one even thought that it could be done because, you know, they yeah. had been drilling the idea that, oh, backwards compatibility isn't even worthwhile. And even if it was, like it would take so much manpower. Mm-hmm. And I remember Phil Spencer actually saying like, this was hard. It yeah, took yeah, us a yeah. long oh, yeah, time yeah. to do this. Yeah. So it's like that sense of you're getting something that should be impossible. Like, you yeah. almost didn't even conceive could uh, ever actually tangibly happen and then the crowd goes wild. But was that because they were losing that generation they pulled out all the stops to make sure they yeah. had that? Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they needed to do something that Sony weren't going to do and if there was one, yeah. like, a hole in their armor it was the backwards compatibility yeah. stuff um, and that was just, yeah, I mean, that, that's another thing like, you talk about E3 moments, like, there was the whole thing with Adam Boys and Shuhi, Shuhi Yoshida um, doing, this is how you share a game between PlayStation <laughs> fans um, or like, you know, whoever owns the console just shaking hands here's a game, take this um, the, the massive blow to the DRM and the Xbox One stuff like that was that was arguably the thing that set the tone for the eighth generation because it was all like xbox have screwed up drm stuff online only whatever and then this sort of weird tone that kind of hung over the industry of like do we know what we are as an industry anymore yeah chasing these different approaches to gaming there's like you know obviously there's definitely a toxic element to like companies enabling like the console wars and stuff yeah but there is also an element of like good theater to it. I, I think. was just saying, yeah, like, it can be fun. Yeah, yeah like a, like a really good sports match, like a really good wrestling match or something. Like, <laughs> I loved the backwards compatibility moment because I didn't have an Xbox at the time, like couldn't afford it. But I remember just watching that show to see what they could pull out against quote unquote my team. Yeah, and then they pulled that out, and I was like, that is such a good move. Yeah. Like just in terms of like I said, like the drama of it. You know, it <laughs> felt like it felt big. It felt mm. like a bold kind of okay the ball's in your court yeah. now with Sony like what are you going to do how are you going to respond and, and those like, moments are yeah fun. now you've got like all this sort of discussion around like backwards compatible archive like accessing archives of games and finally mm. Sony are going to do their version of it like later yeah. this month or whatever but it took this long I, I, Xbox in my opinion have still done it the best yes by far yeah because yeah. Nintendo's is behind a paywall and is alright mm-hmm. PlayStation is just the same mm-hmm. Xbox you can play the original disc well yeah it's plus just, like they have so many phenomenal auto upgrade stuff I keep yeah, mentioning the um, yeah. The 4K60 stuff, yeah. like every time you put a game in and the auto HDR kicks in, Mass Effect looks great. Like yeah. there's so many games like that. Yeah. The Like the whole E3 process, I think, you know, even if it never was, it gave the illusion of being for the fans only. And now mm. what I mean by that is when we get new games announced or new hardware announced now, it's very much for the shareholders first and foremost. Right, yeah. So we'll get the new uh, Just Cause announced in like a shareholders meeting. We'll get the new yeah. Battlefield every single time announced by EA saying, oh, we've got, by the way, shareholders, we've got a Battlefield <laughs> coming this year, which just sucks the hype out for, for fans because it's done for the business first and foremost. Yep. And whilst that might have always been the reality, I think publishers did a better job at hiding that uh, through their reveals in the past and kind of at least giving you the illusion that they were announcing something at this moment in time because the fans want to see it when, yeah. as in reality. No, that's totally like, that's what I mean about like like budgets changing and, and audiences changing, optics changing, like all that stuff changing. And as soon as the industry got to a certain size, um, it couldn't just be for us anymore. So it has to, it yeah. quote unquote has to be for the shareholders. But one of the, some of the best hype moments are when it feels like it is for the people who actually play the games and not just aiming at whatever the next business person is. Yeah. Um, but yes, as conclusion, 
concluding thoughts, where are you guys at on uh, looking forward to the Summer Games Fest and the stuff that's coming in the next month or so? Uh, <laughs> Mr. Yes. Jeff, Mr. Jeff Keeley said that we should all lower our expectations, but I wonder if he's doing uh, a little. He's, do, he's, he's doing, doing a little thing. I don't know if he is. He's the he, one who he reckoned he talked to Hassan Karaman, who's now been proven to be like a frog with a lizard mask on or whatever it is. So I, I don't would even you know. Say that about your event. Don't watch it. Well, yeah. <laughs> don't bother to go. <laughs> Silent who? No good. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, I mm. thought the state of play was surprisingly good. Set us out on a really good uh, run. Hopefully for this week. Uh, I my t- my expectations are tempered because. Because everyone, including Capcom and including Jeff Keighley, have said, look, it's mostly going to be games that we've already announced, which is fine. Mm. But still, I'm still excited because, you know, we only get this once a year, True. more or less. This pretty much is the new E3. Yeah, Like, exactly. it just kind of is. Like, there's this in the Game Awards, so I guess we get a couple times, depending on what True. they say. It is interesting with Summer Games Fest because it's kind of this term, this umbrella term for, if you go on the Summer Games Fest website, they do have the Xbox Bethesda show. They have a couple of other fan events as well that they're just classing as part of the Summer Games Fest overall thing, and it'll be on the SGF uh, Twitter, and so it's kind of this overall thing, but it is also a televised or at least streamable event. And um, that this year, that it's going to be in cinemas. You can go watch it in IMAX, not in the UK, but you can in the US. So they're putting that under their umbrella, the Xbox. Yeah, version. yeah. What about well, them? not fully, just in terms of um, it's a partner. So like, if okay, you want to um, okay. watch Xbox on the Summer Games Fest Twitter, uh, Twitch rather, you right, can do I it see, that way. I see what you mean. Um, so there's stuff like that, and then um, the thing I was going to say in regards to Capcom and other third parties is that they've already announced extra gameplay streams so I kind of wonder how they split their time like what do they give Jeff Keighley that gets on the Summer Games Fest thing and then boost their own numbers and get people to come to the Capcom stream Um, because Xbox announced an extra stream as well so it's like we're getting something that's the main show and then a little bit of an extra thing Mm. and it's like is one of them going to be kind of naff and disappointing in a CG trailer and then come back for the gameplay wasn't Elden Ring last year was that showed off last year at Um, Summer Oh my god! Like yeah, it was because it's it that was, photo yeah. of him looking at it. Oh the, yeah, I think so. Well, that was the whole thing because it was Jeff had like secured the big gameplay reveal what I'm or whatever the, it was. He's got something else. You think he's got? <laughs> he's, he's got some. Obviously, he brings out his sound Predictions? What do you reckon? It's going to be Death Stranding too. Like that <laughs> man loves Hideo Kojima mm, yeah. and will go to the ends of the earth to secure <laughs> that he has to be Death ignored Stranding by Hideo too. Kojima yeah. <laughs> every single time. Um, yeah, we'll wait and see. Uh, we'll know by the end of this week. Hopefully this is going out on the Wednesday afternoon. Um, but we'll do another podcast a week after. We'll see what whatever happens in the yeah, gaming yeah. industry. We'll be reporting on it. For now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tailford, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. And James Dowse. Oh, thank you both. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Thank you, James Dowse. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 